Welcome to the Ground Zero Fitness Podcast, the podcast for the fitness beginner. I'm your host, Sam Kraft, sitting alongside my friend Kyle Chin. Getting started in fitness, especially if you've never been to the gym or worked out before, is a daunting task. We've developed this podcast to help listeners get their start in fitness, to help them get strong, stay strong, and enjoy what life has to offer. We discuss the why and how of strength, nutrition, and health so that people can be better versions of themselves for a lifetime. If you enjoy this episode or are able to pull anything useful out of it, we ask just one fee, and that's just tell somebody who may need this info about it. Welcome back to another episode of Ground Zero Fitness Podcast. Today we have a guest on the show, and we're talking to the founder of Conquer Training and Fitness, Marcus Rice. Sam, would you like to do an introduction of who our guest is today? Yep. So like Kyle said, he's the founder of Conquer Training and Fitness, who's been able to build himself a substantial following on social media through Instagram and Twitter um, that's allowed him to successfully coach hundreds of busy professionals. He has a BS in exercise science and tons of in-person and online personal training experience. He's also one of the most low-key jacked guys probably in the Twitter realm. He doesn't post a lot of shirtless pics and no doubt has tons of skin skin in the game. So welcome to the show, Marcus, and thanks for coming on, man. Hey, thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a good talk. About yeah, for happening. For sure. So can you kind of run us through your your story? I know um, you played basketball growing up and that kind of led into you being really into fitness and um, stuff like that. So you can kind of tell us how you went from, you know, the, the basketball athlete to the online personal training guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think honestly it goes back goes back even farther than basketball. So I, I feel like, I think my love for fitness, you know, it, it's, it's hard to pinpoint like exactly where that started. But if I had to pick one point, it would be, um, so my dad, my dad actually had a, a, a gym set up in our basement. And I just remember like some, like I was probably eight, nine, 10 years old. I would go down there. I'd see him working out and just lifting weights. And I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. Like, I just loved it. Like eight, nine-year-old Marcus was like, you know, trying to do whatever I could to like get in there with him, you know, work in. And, you know, a lot of times I just kind of be doing push-ups off to the side. But like, I remember that. And I remember um, just like, even at that early age, just kind of instilling that like, hey, fitness is, fitness is a really good thing. It's a cool thing to do. Obviously, it's healthy. You know, I wasn't really thinking about that as a little kid. But like, you know, my dad really, uh, you know, he was a great example for me in that. Um, so I think it, you know, it kind of started there, like the seeds were planted, um, at an early age. And then, you know, you know, like you said, Sam, like I, uh, played basketball growing up, you know, so, um, was always kind of, you know, athletic, doing athletic things, running around all the time. Um, and I think, you know, that definitely kind of accentuated that love for fitness and just being active. And, um, like you guys know, like nothing feels as good as being active and running around and, um, like you just feel so much better. Um, when you're doing that. So I think, you know, that kind of built upon that foundation that was already there. Um, and then kind of flash forward to college. Um, yeah, I got to college and I was kind of, you know, even at that point, I wasn't necessarily like, oh, I have to like have this career in fitness necessarily. Um, 
but I knew a few things, you know, I knew that I wanted to do something very like relational, very personable. You know, I wanted to work with people and whatever my career was going to be. Um, and I knew that, um, you know, I loved, I love like, I think the human body is just incredible. Like it's, it's like the most complex thing in the universe. And so I was like, you know, I think, I think that's pretty cool. And at the same time, you know, I was like, you know, I, I have this love for fitness. And so, um, when I went into college, what that kind of all combined for me, I, I was like initially planning on becoming a physical therapist. So I was like, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go the physical therapy route. You know, I'll probably have to go to grad school for that, obviously, after I graduate. Um, and I thought that kind of like fit everything um, that I was looking for. But um, flash forward a little bit, you know, I graduated college and, you know, I took the like the grad school exam, you know, to get into physical therapy schools and um, everything was like set up for me and it was looking good. Um, but I just remember having this moment like I was like, you know, like because I did an internship my senior year as well of college uh, for physical therapy. And I just was like, you know, I don't know if this is exactly what I'm looking for. It's very like, you know, I love physical therapy. It's an amazing field, but it just, it just wasn't the right fit for me. So I remember kind of like, you know, obviously I'd gone to school for four years, you know, was graduating with a degree that set me up for, you know, physical therapy school. And then suddenly I was like, you know what, I just don't know if this is the right fit for me. So I decided to take a year off, just kind of take a gap year, you know, figure out, you know, maybe see what I could, what I can uh, do with that before I committed to grad school. And um, in that year, I remember, you know, I started doing some personal training in person, um, just kind of working with people, you know, pay the bills and stuff. And I remember uh, just loving it, you know, I was like, fitness, like this is, you know, obviously you're transforming bodies, but like even bigger than that, you're transforming lives, you know, when you help people get in better shape, you know, uh, whatever that looks like for them, whatever their goals are, like it's, it's such a transformative thing. And I just remember, you know, loving that. Um, and then kind of at the same time too, like I had this growing love for business and like entrepreneurship and the challenge of, of doing all that. Um, so yeah, you know, one thing kind of led to another and I was like, you know what, like, I think really my love is not so much with like therapy. It's more with like, you know, uh, just fitness and nutrition and just helping people live their best life through that. Um, so, you know, one thing kind of led to another, uh, I took that year and I started just trying to, I started posting a bunch of just content online, just trying to see what I can make of it while I was doing in-person training. And, uh, it ended up, it ended up going really well. You know, I kind of, kind of took off a little bit on Instagram, was able to build a little bit of a, a platform over there. And, um, you know, that really the rest is history, you know, with that platform, that audience, I, uh, launched Conquer Training and Fitness and, uh, that was like three years ago. So I haven't really, haven't really looked back since. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. So when you first started personal training, you did it in person, where did you coach? Yeah. So I started out just at a local, uh, a local gym. So I, you know, I live in, uh, Colorado at the time I was living a little bit north of Denver in a city called Longmont um, and I was just uh, just working at a local gym you know just training just a variety, kind of general fitness at that point you know I was working with people who were in their 20s people who were in their 60s and everything in between um, and I remember just like honestly loving all of it I was like this is this is a great time this is a lot of fun so except for the hours of probably working in a kind of big commercial gym or something like that. The early mornings, late evenings, it's kind of a grind. Exactly, man. You, uh, you know exactly what that's like. And I yep. think for me, 
that was kind of like, that was the transition to online for me. Cause I was like, I love training. I love coaching. I love working with people. Uh, but just kind of looking for like, you know, we talk about sustainability all the time in fitness, but I was thinking about that with my career too. Like, I don't want to be working, you know, waking up at going to the gym at 4am to train people before they're nine to five. And then like staying, you know, through the dinner hours, training people after they're nine to five. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, it's an awesome thing, obviously in-person training. I love it. But I think for me, like, obviously if you don't have your own gym, the hours, they, they suck, you know? So I was like, yeah, I'm going to try to make this online thing work. Um, it's a little bit more scalable as well. So. I kind of want to backtrack a little bit here. You, you mentioned you played basketball growing up. Your, your dad was into fitness and all that stuff. And you grew up in a relatively big family, right? I did. Yeah, I did. So I, uh, I actually have a, a massive family. So there's eight kids. Um, I'm the seventh. So uh, second youngest. And um, yeah, we kind of basketball kind of ran like it runs in the family. So you know, I grew up with like all my older siblings just, you know, schooling me on the court and stuff. Um, but you know how it goes like you know you you get that ed, that competitive edge is the yeah. number one you start like you know you reach this point where you start you get pretty good and you start actually beating your older siblings and stuff so <laughs> yeah definitely and what age was that when you started beating them Ooh, that's a good question the answer might differ depending on who you oh, ask. oh yeah yeah um i'll go with probably like you know 13 14 somewhere in there probably that range <laughs> so so you grew up in a fit family essentially yeah, yeah, I would say it was uh, def. You know, not like it's not like we were all like going to the gym and working out together, but you know, definitely a, a healthy family overall. Um, so like my mom, you know, my mom was always cooking like healthy meals. Um, you know, like I said, my dad you know, obviously was was working out and stuff, and set that example for me. And um, so yeah, definitely a, a pretty healthy family overall, which I yeah you know, I feel really blessed by because like the reality is like the environment that you grow up in, like obviously that is that plays a big role on like your habits, you know, who you, who you become. And obviously we can overcome a poor environment, but having that good environment like that, that does really help. So. Yeah, that's so important. So how was the transition for you going from living at home to the college lifestyle and being a coach? Was the lifestyle change drastic in terms of healthy eating and working out and stuff like that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think so. One thing that really helped with that was um, I actually did play a little bit of college basketball. So my first couple of years I played. Um, and so, you know, there's a huge emphasis, like obviously like college athletics on like eating healthy, you know, working out. Um, so I think, you know, that like transition was a lot smoother for me than it would have been otherwise. Cause you know, I went to college and it was like, everything was scheduled with the team, you know, like the workouts, we were all working out together. We were all doing, you know, eating, you know, it's not like at that point, you know, I wasn't, I didn't know much about nutrition to be honest. So like it was, you know, I was eating decently, but you know, also it was college. So I was kind of like eating whatever I wanted at the same time, you know, but um, yeah. So I think that transition was a little bit more, more smooth for me than it would have been otherwise. Yeah, I <laughs> definitely relate to that. Like showing up, I kind of had the opposite spectrum of not knowing, not re- it's not that I didn't grow up in a, in an environment where like they push the physical stuff. I grew up playing sports just like you, but when I got to college and the demands that it they place on you as a college athlete, like going from just being 
high school straight into college. Like that was a, that was a tough transition for me. Like, you know, so it's good that you were able to kind of have those habits, those healthy habits going into college. So it wasn't such a smack in the face. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, like I, I did end up, I had a pretty bad injury in my sophomore year, missed that whole season and I ended up stopping basketball after that. And so I think that like the transition for me was harder, like sophomore to junior year, honestly, because like suddenly I didn't have, um, you know, structured workouts that I was following with the team at that point. Um, and so really for the first time, it was like, I wasn't an athlete anymore, you know, at least officially. And so it was like, you know, up. yeah, for me, like, that structure is all gone. And you're like, okay, well, what am I going to, what am I going to do with this? And, um, with my injury too, like, you know, it was, it was, I had a herniated disc. So it was like three months before I could really do too much with that. And, um, yeah, it was a rough transition. Like I, I definitely did not handle a lot of that well, um, you know, I took, I think it was like a period of probably the next like six months to a year where I started getting back in the gym again and like, you know, really taking my fitness seriously. And, um, yeah, that was like the, probably the, like the lowest point for me physically, like as far as where I was at, just because of the culmination of everything that happened there with the injury and, you know, not being an athlete and stuff. So yeah, how did, a, go ahead, Kyle. Oh, sorry, Sam. But how, how did that affect your lifestyle just not having any more structure in your day um yeah it it uh dude that was a huge a huge change honestly i think for me because um you know obviously like you know we were waking up at like 5 30 a.m to do workouts and practice in the morning pretty much year-round you know um and so like suddenly not having that and not having just the this like structure it's just it's so important you know because it's like it's almost like your habits are done for you you know um and so you just show up and, and do it but like suddenly when all that's gone it's like yeah it really did feel like that like i had to kind of like just start from scratch almost and like build new habits you know um yeah that was really that was like when i really got serious about like lifting in the gym i think for the first time because like you know we did workouts as a basketball team but like a lot of that was more geared towards athleticism and um, not necessarily like body transformation, you know, lifting and stuff. So yeah, it was habit. You guys know, I mean, habit formation is tough. It, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, so I would say, yeah, it, it really probably took me about a year. Um, even, even two years. I mean, honestly, when I graduated college, like my habits were much better, but, um, it was really after I graduated that they, I feel like they really kind of leveled up as far as, you know, how seriously I took the gym and my nutrition, like, yeah. So definitely, definitely a process, you know? Yeah. That's a, it's a really tough transition that a lot of people have to go through after the, the athletic world is like you said before, you wake up for 5am workouts and it's a lot easier to do that when you're showing up and the whole team is going to be there pushing you and that kind of thing. But when you've got to do it by yourself at 5am, that makes it a lot harder. So let's let's get into your Instagram following a little bit. How did you how did you originally build that, and then how did you convert that into your online business? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, so I think I'm trying to remember exactly how that started, but I really I, I remember you know I was doing the in person training, um, and on like in college, like you know I I majored in exercise science, pre physical therapy, but like it like online fitness was never talked about at all. Like I didn't even know that world like existed to the degree that it did until I 
graduated college and started like really getting into that myself. Um, but I, yeah, I just remember following like on Instagram, I remember following a few like fitness dudes that I saw were just like blowing up on Instagram. And I was like, you know, just like something clicked for me. I was like, if these, like, if these guys can do this, like, well, you know, why can't I do this? You know, cause the content they were posting, it's not like it was, you know, just like groundbreaking. Like, you know, it was just very simple stuff that was just made designed to help people. Um, so I just remember like, you know, kind of like there was probably a month or two where I just kind of like watched and listened and learned and kind of kept my ear to the ground. Um, and then I was like, you know what, like I can do this, you know? So I started, I started posting myself. Um, and I remember that was the weird, like, I had a personal Instagram account. I had no idea what I was doing. I just literally turned my personal Instagram into a business Instagram, like overnight and just started posting fitness stuff. And like, I don't even know why I did that. It made no sense, but that's what I did. And um, yeah, so I think like initially I was posting a lot of infographics, um, which at that time did really well on Instagram. They performed really well like the algorithm and um, just very simple, like, you know, the, the seven steps to fat loss or, you know, the five myths you're believing about, uh, you know, strength training right now, or, you know, whatever that was just like catchy, you know, things that you could build kind of an infographic around. Um, obviously Instagram is a very visual platform. So infographics kind of fit in well with that. Um, while also kind of providing value. And, um, you know, the first like month was slow. Like I didn't really get many followers, but I remember, I think it was like the second and third month I hit like, you know, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand followers. And I was like, like, wow, this is really like, you know, this is actually working. And so I remember I kind of ramped it up. I started posting like three times a day, um, just tons and tons of infographics mostly. And um, I, I think around that time I started doing some like tweet posts as well, you know, just like taking screenshots of my, my tweets and stuff and putting them on Instagram. And that was the only reason I was on Twitter was just to tweet so I could put it on Instagram. Like I had no followers on Twitter at all at that point. Um, but yeah, so it just, it went really well. Like I think over the span of like six months, I was able to grow to, um, like 50,000. And then over the next few months, I think I hit like 80,000. Um, so yeah, I was definitely able to build that platform. And then, you know, at, at that point I had no idea what I was doing still. Like I was just completely, like, I felt like a total fish out of water, you know, like had no like formal business training, like was basically just making it up as I went, you know? Um, but yeah, I just remember just like I would, every once in a while, I'd like make a post like, Hey, like, you know, if you're interested in coaching, you know, DM me or fill out this application. And, um, you know, I started getting, you know, a little bit of interest in that. And, um, you know, just kind of one thing led to another, you know, on onboarded my first client. And like, I remember that that was the best feeling ever. You know, I, it was like amazing. I loved it. And at that point I was charging practically nothing for my services. You know, it was, it was extremely cheap, but yeah, it's just kind of a process of, you know, one client got a testimonial, led to another, got a few more testimonials, you know, obviously started kind of building my pricing up as I got more and more clients and more and more case studies. Um, but yeah, it was really, it was probably a year, year and a half before I really had like some really good traction on the, the online stuff. And when you started getting popular online, did you completely switch over to online coaching or were you still doing personal training in the meanwhile? Yeah. So it, it was, uh, it was kind of a, uh, I think it took probably, it was about a year. Probably I was posting on Instagram and kind of building that following before I switched over. Um, yeah, I, I had a point where, um, you know, I was making enough income, had enough, you know, I had a pretty solid client base at that point, um, where I was like, you know what, like I can, you know, I still, it was hard for me because like, I loved the in-person training, 
but just hated the hours. And like, you know, if I'd had my own gym, you know, like that'd be one thing I would have kept doing it, but just due to the nature of like working at a gym and working around that. And, you know, I, I ended up stopping that after, I think it was about a year of, of building that online following. So yeah, it's been, it's, that was, that was like two, two and a half years ago. So it's been, it's been like two and a half years of, of full-time online fitness at this point. Right on. Yeah. And like the, the online training is in becoming really prevalent now, like especially with COVID and stuff, people aren't going to the gyms to see it. So you are in a good situation of building that coming into this. So how has that changed since COVID started? Have you been getting more inquiry or? Yeah. So I think, you know, kind of just due to the way my business was set up, I actually took a pretty big hit from. Oh, really? Okay. Um, Some of that was because, you know, my, obviously like with my content, I'm trying to attract a very like specific type of person. You know, I work with a lot of busy professionals, but you know, professionals who want to make time for the gym, who want to go to the gym, who love the gym. And I think, um, or at least we're growing in that, you know? And so I think, um, when COVID hit, you know, nobody really knew how long that was going to be for. And so, you know, all, most people were thinking like, Oh, you know, gyms, I'll be able to go back to the gym pretty soon. And so a lot of like my typical client base wasn't necessarily wanting to like jump into a one-on-one coaching thing at that point of like at home workouts. They were just thinking, you know, I'm going to get through this as quickly as possible and then get back to the gym. Um, And so, yeah, it was kind of a, it was a transition for me a little bit. I had to pivot and start, I started making more content about like, you know, home training and, um, I actually, at that point, I went, before that, I was just doing one-on-one coaching. Um, and then I, I started releasing a few programs, you know, just kind of one-off programs that people could buy at that point. Um, and so, yeah, it was a little, little bit of a pivot, you know, but I think, you know, after like three, four months, people kind of realized like, hey, you know, it might be a while. We kind of have, you know, we just got to make the most of this situation. And um, and then it's, it's, it's been really good since then. So, yeah. When, when you start working with a new beginner and they just sign on with you, what are some of the common barriers that you see with the mindset and habits of these beginners? Oof, yeah, that's a good question. Um, man, so I was literally just on a couple calls with like potential clients before we hopped on this podcast. And um, one of the things we talked about with one of the guys, he was saying that um, he was like, just trying to like wrap his head around like expectations, you know, wrap his mind around that. Like what, you know, what can I expect as far as timeline here? You know, I think to me, like that's, that's what jumps out to me right away is like, I think people's like expectations of how long it's going to take to transform your body and actually see results. It is like, it's so warped from like, like Instagram, you know, like you guys, you guys, I'm sure you've seen this a lot of yourself. Like people, you know, there's so many like 30 day, you know, lose, 15 pounds in 30 days, you know, four week detoxes, like all this stuff that's like people think they're going to see these like incredible transformations in six to eight weeks. And it's like, that's just like, yes, you can see some results, but like that, that you're barely scratching the surface with a month or two, you know? So I think just that, like dealing with the expectations of like, you know, this is like, Hey, this is, you're, you're in this for life, you know, like this is a long-term thing. And if you're serious about getting results, like you have to, you have to commit to, you know, sustainable methods and it's going to take like, realistically, if you're, if you're really new, like it's going to take, like think in terms of like, you know, six months, a year, two years, three years, like don't think in terms of six weeks, 
you know, a few, like it just takes, it takes so much time. So I think to me, that's probably the biggest one. Um, I'm sure you guys can probably echo that. You've probably seen the same thing. For sure. That's, that's awesome that you brought it up because we, we try to mention it every single podcast. Really? That, yeah. We, we talk awesome. about how results don't come at an instant, especially if you're a beginner. You, you got to just trust the process because the most important thing is to get down the habits first, right? We all know this. You get the habits down first and you'll see results maybe three months down the line, six months down the line. But if you're expecting a transformation within six to eight weeks, as you said, it's complete bogus. And I, I know on Instagram, it's more prevalent than ever. Yeah, I'm not going to call out names, but there's something blah, blah's discovery. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard yeah, of that, Marcus. <laughs> where it's like two weeks and you can lose 15 pounds <laughs> and then and then you go from like someone with like maybe 30 percent body fat going to like 22 percent body fat and you're just like how can that happen yeah yeah 100 i've literally yeah i know exactly what you're talking about i get yeah, <laughs> that all the time yeah that is yeah it's crazy it's like you know I think it's one thing too. Like if you do, if you have a foundation of like strength and muscle um, and you've maybe just like put on some weight on top of that, you know, you can definitely see results more quickly um, for sure. You know, three months, like you might see some, some pretty impressive, like quote unquote toning or sculpting, whatever you want to call it, you know? Um, But you know, that's like, you know, the reality is most people do need to add a lot of muscle. They need to add a lot of strength, you know? And so it's like, if you're, if you got to do that, like it, months and months and months year plus like it it takes time so you yeah you just got to buckle in like enjoy the ride you know trust the process and just you can't stress too much about how fast it happens you know and so let you get a client onboarded brand new never never done anything fitness related before like how would you guide that person you know like step by step if you can kind of lay that out for us yeah definitely um so, you know, we definitely, um, definitely start, you know, we start small, you know, you don't, the biggest thing, like you don't want to overwhelm somebody who's just getting started, you know, like obviously it's a very new environment for them and everything's new. So, um, I think the biggest thing for me is like taking all the essentials that they need to get results and just simplifying it, streamlining it as much as possible, you know? So even something as simple as, Hey, like, you know, maybe you're getting in, you know, they, they work at a very sedentary, like office job, for instance, they're getting in like 2000 steps a day, you know? So even just thinking like, Hey, like let's ramp that up to uh, let's try to hit five K steps, you know, maybe eight K steps, maybe even 10,000 steps a day, depending on like their, their time. And, you know, obviously we figure all that out. It's all customized for the client, but um, something as simple as just walking more like that, you know, you guys know that pays huge dividends over time. You know, like you can lose, 10 to 15 pounds over a year just from walking more, you know? Um, so that's one thing, you know, and then we just, you know, obviously I, I do get them started in the gym, you know, typically. So it's some very simple, you know, lifting routines, um, you know, keeping things very simple, very strategic, you know, none of the like crazy fancy stuff you see on Instagram, like that stuff just doesn't work, you know? Uh, you guys know that. Like it's, oh, yeah. you know, it's all about bench the- pressing. Sorry to cut you off, but bench pressing supersets with concentration curls is not the way. <laughs> exactly, man. Yeah, like these crazy like circuits with like nine different exercises. You know, you're it just you know that stuff doesn't really work very well. So 
you know, definitely focusing on just the essentials, you know, the, the six, like essential movement patterns, five, six, however you want to boil that down. But like, you know, we're, we're hinging or deadlifting. We all love deadlifts. You know, we, we joke about that all the time on Twitter, like deadlifts are the best. Um, but yeah, deadlifts, squatting, uh, you know, pushes, pulls, uh, obviously core work. You know, we're, we're focusing on just very, you know, essential um, movement patterns and helping them develop that. And then, uh, you know, obviously progressive overload, like, you know, it's that buzzword, but like, that's everything like that drives results. If you're not tracking your training and adding reps and weight or however you are overloading, there's different ways to do it. Like, you know, that's, that's obviously a huge driver of uh, actually transforming your body. Um, and then, you know, nutrition, same type of thing, you know, you just start simple, start, uh, most of my clients track their food, you know, so I kind of help them through that process. And that's, very eye-opening like you know they think like i can't tell you how many times like in my like client intake questionnaire they tell me what they're eating and they're like you know i think maybe i'm eating like you know 1500 calories a day or you know if it's a man maybe 2000 calories a day um you know and then they actually track and it's like you know 500 a thousand even like 1500 more calories than they think they're eating every day it's just it's mind-blowing so that that's a good a good start i think yeah, nobody's aware until they actually write it down and then they see how many calories they're eating and they're just like mind blown. Yeah, that's the that's the very first thing I do with people is like that's the nutrition thing for the first two weeks is like I don't care about the macros or how many calories or whatever, but write down everything you put in your mouth for two weeks. Don't change anything. Just write it down. And that just builds awareness immediately. And then the fact that writing down that I'm eating, I'm drinking four cans of Mountain Dew and four peanut butter cookies a day. It's like <laughs> the fact that you have to write that down makes it so you're not going to do that, you know? So just building that awareness right there before we get into macros or calorie uh, macros or calories or whatever is, has been big for making that transition. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely relate to that. There's usually I usually have like a week period where they just track. They don't you know focus on anything on it. Yep, the same thing. It's just like they're like I literally can't believe I was eating all that or drinking all that. You know, like I'm I'm getting like 1500 calories in from liquid calories alone. You know, <laughs> alcohol, juices, milk. You know, mocha, frappuccino, lattes from Starbucks. Like you know, it's just it's mind blowing. So. One quick question, Marcus. Are you are you a Starbucks Starbucks guy? Oh, bro. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So you know, I'm kind of a self proclaimed coffee connoisseur. Okay, so I love coffee. You guys, I post that sometimes. Me doing the like fancy pour over stuff. You know, <laughs> I love really good quality coffee. But I will say, Starbucks is convenient, so I do go there to work sometimes. Um, and, but, you know, to be honest, I can't really drink much of the stuff that like, it's just, it's not Starbucks. Like they have a great brand, but their coffee, it sucks. It's just done. <laughs> so, you know, I go with the Americano cause their espresso is, is decent. So you get the Americano, you maybe add a little cream to it cause their beans just, they need better quality it's beans. Not good. Not and good. I would, I would almost argue if you're going to go through a drive through for a black cup of coffee, I would almost argue to get a McDonald's black cup of coffee over Starbucks. I don't know if you get it's better in my opinion, but we could talk about coffee all day. So literally all day. <laughs> Dude, McDonald's, 
and Chick-fil-A. They both have their black coffee. Both their black coffees are way better than what, than what Starbucks has. Yeah. My, in my humble opinion. I've never, wow. I didn't even know Chick-fil-A had coffee. But yeah, I didn't know that either. Right on. I try to avoid that place, but <laughs> yeah. So, um, with the, with the online coaching, I, I dabble in both too, in person and online. And what have you found adherence wise is easier, you know, cause if, if a client comes to the gym and they've got the trainer right there, like down their throat on everything and they have to consistently come into the gym, then it's pretty easy to adhere to that, but online they have to do it by themselves. So how have you battled that? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think so. I, yeah, it's a great question. I think initially if you're working in person with somebody adherence is definitely easier, you know, cause they have the prayer, they have to show up, you know, every, every day. Um, but I think almost long-term adherence, like if you're looking at the next, you know, five to 10 years of their life, I think, what I've seen actually is a lot of times like working online with somebody is almost better for their long-term adherence. Cause like they do have to take so much like personal ownership and responsibility right off the bat with online coaching, you know, and obviously you're checking in with them, you know, you're holding them accountable with online. Um, so it's kind of that like halfway point of like, you know, you're keeping them accountable, but they also have to be very like, they just got to take, you know, they got to take ownership, you know, and show up on their own every single, you know, every day or every couple of days to the gym. And so like long term after they're done working with you, like what I've seen is a lot of my online clients are super consistent. They keep it going after that because it's like it's just like a small step from like having an online coach to like showing up without an online coach versus, you know, when it's like you're working with them in person, you know, they, they show up because they have to and then maybe they stop working with you and it's like it's a little bit of a bigger step for them to keep showing up in a way. So I don't know if you guys have experienced that, but that's, I've actually, I've seen that a little bit. Not what yeah. I would have expected though. One of my best online client who is just like spot on on everything. I actually worked with her in person for three months and then we transitioned into the online thing. So like that would be, that would almost be like the preferred model of, Let's work together to build those habits. You come to the gym for, you know, three times a week. And then after a couple months, once you get the hang of it, then let's transition to the online. I feel like that'd be a pretty good model, but. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think are some of the most common traits of your most successful clients? Mm. Um, yeah, right <laughs> off the hard one. Yeah. <laughs> right, right off the bat. I mean, number one is just, communication um so people who you know my clients who like so obviously I, and I check in weekly with with clients um but you know i, I leave the door open like you know i'm, I'm obviously one-on-one -on -one coaching i'm very available there's a lot of support there so like some of my clients i'm texting with and messaging with every day um or every other day and so the clients who you know and i think really what that comes down to is just like some is just taking extreme ownership you know because they're they're super committed. And so they're taking the time to, to communicate with me, ask me any question that pops up for them. You know, I really encourage that, obviously, like, I want to answer all your questions, you know, I want you to be um, empowered, you know, to make this happen on your own. Like, I'm not trying to string you along. And like, you know, so you need me for the next 10 years of your life. Like, I'm trying to coach myself out of a job here. Like, I'm trying to like coach you so that you don't need me anymore. And so, you know, the clients who, yeah, they communicate really well, like, that is probably the number one thing. Um, and kind of along with that is just being coachable, you know, 
Um, obviously a lot of people have a lot of like preconceptions of nutrition and, and fitness. And a lot of times, like I, we spend a lot of time unpacking that, you know, with clients, like just kind of deconstructing some of those beliefs. Cause like a lot of it is, you know, is not very, not very accurate or, you know, from like Instagram or whatever, you know, just stuff that's like total BS, you know, so kind of unpacking that. So yeah, coachability, communication, um, and then honestly, just the will to plan ahead. Like that's the third one I would say, uh, like the clients who plan ahead. And I always encourage that and coach that, but like, you know, if you try to rely on willpower in the moment, like we only have so much willpower, you know, it's not, it's, that's not always going to be good enough for you. Um, but if you plan ahead, you know, you, you go into a new week with your four workouts or three workouts scheduled, like time, place, location, it's so much easier to hit those workouts and adhere to them, you know, and kind of the same thing with nutrition, like at least a day or two in advance, kind of knowing what you're going to be eating, um, how many calories it's going to be, you know, kind of, um, you know, cause if you get home, you know, you work a long day at the office, you get home, uh, like if you have no idea what you're going to eat, you know how easy it is just to sit down on the couch, grab junk food, just like snack the rest of the night, you know, smash 2,500 calories, eating and drinking, whatever. So it's like, yeah, that planning ahead is, is pretty key. Sweet. And I know we talked earlier on the podcast a little bit about like how long it takes for people to see actual results. And we talked about this on earlier episodes too of, you know, it takes, you know, a couple months or a month or two for people to see changes in themselves. And then on a poll that I ran on Twitter, it's over six months for other people to start noticing the results. So like how long have you noticed it takes for your clients to start seeing results with the programs that you have them on and what does that look like for them? Yeah, definitely. Uh, So I would say, I'd say there's a few kind of key milestones. I think um, honestly, I would say after month one, you know, I have them taking progress pictures. Obviously that's a pretty key angle to like see results from. Um, I would say after the first month, um, almost regardless of what the scale is doing, you know, sometimes you might see a lot of scale progress month one, you might not other times, depending on, you know, how quickly they get into the swing of things. But a lot of times after month one, you start to see a little bit of a shift in those progress pictures, you know, it's usually very small, very, you know, sometimes clients don't even notice it, but like, I've obviously seen hundreds of them. So like, I'm like, kind of help point out like maybe where some of those changes are. Um, but that's, that's like, you know, just a little bit after month one. Then I would say like after after three, four months is kind of that that second milestone. Like you see, you can see some pretty significant results at that point. Um, but you know, once again, like it's you're not you're not usually done at that point. Like you're usually kind of just just getting started, honestly, after three, four months. Um, and then, you know, I would say six months, like I've definitely seen, you know, a lot of my clients kind of quote unquote arrive at that point, depending on what their starting point is. You know, so if maybe they, you know, obviously you know, sometimes it takes a lot longer than that, but, um, six months can be a pretty huge milestone. And then, you know, I'd say a year, like at, what I always, I always tell my, my clients this, I always say like, Hey, like give you, like, we are going to see results after a month, after a few months, after six months, but like really try to zoom out and just give yourself, give yourself one to two years. Like, I know it sucks to hear that. Like nobody wants to hear that. You know, they don't want to think, Oh, I have to think in terms of years. Like I want to think in terms of weeks or months, but give yourself a year or two commit to the process, trust the process, show up to the gym, you know, dial in your nutrition and you are going to see incredible results after a year or two. Um, 
Yeah. Impatience, man. Like that, that is that the number one killer of people actually transforming is just impatience, giving up too quickly and having expectations that are, that are just off, you know, and not, not realistic at all. Do you have any specific, like specific examples of that? Cause I've had people come in and say, okay, I've got a wedding that I need to get ready for and it is six weeks away and I need to lose 15 pounds because we're going to be around a pool with my family and friends. And how do you, how do you navigate that? Because I've had conversations like, you know, we can probably get you to lose 15 pounds in that six weeks, but it's not going to be good, nor is it going to be sustainable, nor is it going to help you for anything long term. So do you have any specific examples of that and how you've worked to change that client's mindset? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, you know, that's kind of the classic example is the wedding, the wedding example, you know, hey, I'm two months out from my wedding, and I want to lose 20 pounds, you know, and it's like, well, it probably would have been good to start this like six months ago, when you got engaged, but you know, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> You know, hey, we're going to work with this. So, you know, I think it's just kind of that balance of like immediately trying to set their expectations to like, you know, this is a long term thing. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, just because something's sustainable doesn't mean you can't have more like aggressive periods within that, you know. And so kind of periodizing like how intense you're going with your training and nutrition, like, you know, that that is that's legitimate. That's real life. You know, there's there's seasons where you're more busy, where maybe you can go a little bit harder than others. And so I try to get them those quick results, you know, um, you know, as much as is healthy, you know, obviously not doing anything unhealthy or um, just like crazy or extreme, you know, but getting those quick results, but also like just trying to help them understand that, Hey, we're going to transition into, um, we're going to probably dial this back a little bit. Maybe get, if we go hard for the next six weeks, like really, really, really hard, like, you know, we're going to dial it back for a few weeks after that, you know, while you're on your honeymoon or whatever. And then just, you know, keeping it sustainable, but, um, yeah, you know, periods of more aggressive, like, you know, maybe you're working out six days a week, maybe you're doing a little bit more cardio than you would otherwise, maybe a little bit of a steeper deficit, you know, like that's, that's okay for a period of time, but, um, yeah, just setting the expectation in the right place. Do your clients ever bring up the question of supplements to you? Dude, that is, I can't tell you, like, that is probably the first question I get asked like very often you know first second third question is like okay what supplements do I need you know or a lot of times like a lot of times a lot of them are already taking like a full stack of supplements you know they got like six supplements they're taking they're dropping like four hundred dollars a month on supplements and I'm like okay I'm gonna save you some money right now we do not need to take all these (laughs) so Obviously, supplements, there is a place for them that can be helpful. They can, a few good ones can give an edge, you know, but it's like they're not needed. And, uh, you know, a lot of them are just total marketing boys, you know. BCAAs, man, like, you know how that goes. That's that's what I was waiting to bring that up this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we love joking around about it. Um, Marcus, Thane, Sam, and I. Thane is E-Day workout, man. And we just we just have a joke all the time about how much BCAAs we take. Um, it's, it's just a joke, guys. We don't actually take BCAAs just because of what, sh- what Marcus just said. It's, it's essentially a marketing ploy. Um, BCAAs 
pretty much don't even change your physique at all. And they don't help promote any protein synthesis. Like there's been studies that have been done saying that BCAs are barely beneficial to things like that. So that's why we joke around about it. But also, but also, sorry to cut you off, Sam, but also it's at the end of the day, it's a supplement. (laughs) You shouldn't be taking more supplements than you're eating real whole foods. And for the record, a BCAA is a branch chain amino acid. And guess where you get your branch chain amino acids from? Your protein, so your meat. So actually, you're just buying a $50 tub of expensive urine, pretty much, is what a BCAA <laughs> is. Like, that's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna leave that one at. Yeah. It always cracks me up. I saw this meme about like BCAAs, and it always stuck with me. There's this dude who's he's in a pool. He's a swimmer. He's in a pool, practically completely submerged in a pool. Um, but his like face is sticking out of the pool, and he's got like a glass of water, and he's just pouring water on his face. But he's like in a pool, like he doesn't need more water, you know. And it's like, that's literally what you're doing when you take BCAA. (laughs) Like, it's like dumping glasses of water on yourself when you're in the shower or in a pool. Like, there's no reason for it. No. And people take them, like, mid-workout. So they'll walk around with their shaker bottle full of BCAAs. And I think it's more of a placebo effect than anything. Something on Twitter that is battled back and forth so much is carbs. And, uh... The no carb zealots, the low carb zealots, and then the people like I think some of us who are all about it and consider it rocket fuel. So, what's your take on that, Marcus? Hell yeah, man! Uh, I'm all about the carbs. All about the carbs. I mean, obviously, you know, there's once again, it's like you know, you think about if you're trying to transform your body, you think about okay, dialing in your calories, getting your calories in the right place, uh, getting enough protein. Um, but then one, you know, once, once those two are in place, like the rest of your calories, they can come from carbs. It can come from fats. You know, obviously there is like a baseline amount of healthy fats you want to get in your diet. Um, but beyond that, like, yeah, carbs, rocket fuel, man, like you, you put it, you put that well, like it is, um, they're the best. Like they're awesome. They fuel your training, you know, they make it, they really, I really, you know, Obviously, there's going to be people who argue with me on the research on this, but like, they, I really do think they're optimal for building muscle, building strength, um, which is obviously you know key for transforming your body. So, um, yeah, man, carbs. I can't tell you how many clients come to me and they've tried some like random low carb diet, whether it's keto or something else, and they just like it just doesn't it doesn't work for them long term. You know, like people love carbs; they want to have carbs in their diet, and so. Um, yeah, we, we dispel that myth very quickly. You know, it's okay to eat carbs. Um, carbs are a good thing. Um, just obviously, you know, have the right amounts of them. Don't have, you know, keep your calories and protein in, in, in check and then, uh, you know, enjoy the carbs. Yeah, I think the biggest thing people don't understand is that a sweet potato is not the same carbs as <laughs> a candy bar. <laughs> like those are two very different things where... One is straight processed junk and the other is actually the rocket fuel that Sam's talking about that fuels your workout. Yeah. It's just just hard because regardless of what the no carb, low carb people say, people who eat carbs can just train harder for longer in my humble opinion, you know? Um, So it's just from a muscle building standpoint, it's a lot more optimal. Maybe you don't have to go overboard on carbs, 
but to get them at least around your workouts so you can you know, really start seeing progress, drive progressive overload, push yourself. That's when you're actually going to start seeing the the real changes. And I think, you know, you mentioned on the, uh, we went back we, and listened to you on the Passion First podcast a while back. And you talked about how people should almost just gain muscle first and then you can kind of shred off the fat later and that's like what most people actually need they don't need to slim down they don't need to tone they don't need to do that they just need to build some muscle get stronger and then start focusing on that other stuff yeah yeah absolutely yeah and it goes back to like you know and once again in a perfect world and a lot of you know i do work with this goes for men and women but almost even a little bit more for women i work a lot of my clients are women actually i, I work with both but um a little bit over half are, are women and like in a perfect world like you are gonna like if you just committed to lifting hard progressive overloading for like two years and then you worry about fat loss like fat loss would be so easy at that point because you put you know you put on 10 15 20 even more you know pounds of muscle and it's like at that point, you know, you're strong, like losing fat is just not, it's so much easier at that point. Your metabolism is, has skyrocketed, you know, you feel stronger, you feel healthier, your appetite is, uh, is more in control. And, um, but you know, obviously nobody wants to do that. You know, they want to, they want to lose the fat. And so you, you try to meet them kind of halfway with that, you know, but, um, in a perfect world like that, that is what would make fat loss the easiest for people. Yep. One topic we don't actually talk about much on this podcast is fasting. Um, fasting is a strategy that a lot of new potential clients talk about and something that they all preach. But we all know at the end of the day that all you have to do is cut calories to, to lose weight. So what, what do you usually tell clients when they come to you to asking them for advice on fasting? Yeah, man. So yeah, fasting, obviously, that's like a super hot button topic these days, too, you know, and um, I do, I would put fasting in a little bit of a separate category from like a lot of the fad diets, you know, that are like, just, you know, we just like shut those down right away. You know, I think fasting for me is um, actually some of my clients do, uh, you know, it's not like strict intermittent fasting, but it's kind of a pseudo form of intermittent fasting, um, time restricted eating, whatever you want to call it. Um, and you know, it, it, I think for me, it just really comes down to the individual. Cause like, you know, there's nothing magical about fasting. Once you, like you said, Kyle, it's all about like, you know, your calories at the end of the day. Um, but what I've found, and this is partly, you know, because my clients, a lot of them are very busy professionals. They're very busy, productive in the morning. And so for some of them, it, it's easy for them. It's convenient for them to just like, you know, maybe mostly just have some coffee and water in the morning, you know, and then they push their first meal back a little bit. Um, it just makes, so they can have a little bit of a larger lunch that way, a little bit of a larger dinner. Um, and so it, it's convenient for them. Um, but you know, that's something that for a lot, you know, make sure to like unpack a lot of the myths around fasting first and foremost, make sure they understand what they're getting into. Um, and then some of them, you know, they try it for a little bit and they're like, yeah, I, I kind of miss breakfast. Like I love breakfast. So, you know, then we just hit that, like it, there's nothing magical about it. It's just all about like what, you know, obviously what feels best for you. And, um, yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing with fasting though, with the biggest like perk that I have seen with some clients is it really does help them get a little bit more in tune with their like natural hunger, you know, like what actually is hunger? 
um, versus, you know, a lot of times you think you're hungry and it's like, um, you're not hungry. Like you ate an hour ago, you're not hungry. <laughs> but like, that's how a lot of, a lot of Americans live, you know, it's like, they're just snacking constantly. They're eating constantly. Um, and so like fasting can, and can like kind of sharpen a little bit, like what it actually means to like, you know, feel those natural hunger cues and like get a little bit more in tune with that, you know? Um, so that, that is one benefit I've seen, but yeah, fasting, nothing magical about it. Even when they do fast, it's like a very pseudo form of fasting. So they'll still have some calories in the morning a lot of the time. And, um, yeah. I think I love how you just brought up the fact that it, it it's a tool that can be used to fit your meal timings. Because even for me, I usually don't have my first meal until 2.30, p.m. just because I'm not a breakfast person and not just that, but that means I can have two larger meals in my day for lunch and dinner rather than stuff a breakfast that I don't really enjoy anyways. And I get hungry faster when I have my breakfast. So as you said, it's it's an excellent tool that can be used to strategize how you fit your meals throughout the day and make sure you don't eat too much. But it's not going to increase fat loss at an exponential rate like most people like to think of it as. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Kyle, I didn't know you were a faster. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. I don't do yeah. any fast cardio start, or anything like might that. Might have to start re-examining who I'm working with here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he doesn't like breakfast food, he says. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a breakfast guy, but I'll have eggs any time of the day. <laughs> oh, okay. That, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm not a toast guy. What else is there? What else is big for breakfast? Bacon, I'll have any part of the day as well. Just no toast sausages are like mediocre <laughs> yeah i'm gonna piss off a lot of people oats oats are god awful in my opinion <laughs> yeah i agree oats are oats are overrated yeah yep. eggs and bacon though i mean you can't you literally can't go around with eggs and bacon an omelet like that's that's one of my top like five favorite meals is just like an omelet with like all the meat all the veggies hot sauce like I could literally eat that for three meals a day over a nice bed of hash browns or fried potatoes. Yeah. yeah it's pretty good. It's good stuff. You're missing out on the breakfast, Kyle. I love potatoes, but I can't do a big breakfast and all the food. Most of the food is garbage anyways. Like we know this, like pancakes, waffles, drizzle, like 300 calories of syrup on top. <laughs> Cheerios with sugar on top. Great. Stuff. Didn't even, didn't even think about the cereal. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, it's a little over an hour, so we might as well wrap it up. Um, Marcus, I know you've, you obviously have online training and you've got a few eBooks out, correct? Um, where can, where can our listeners find you? Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, if you're on Twitter or Instagram, you know, just, uh, look up, you know, Marcus Rice or, uh, Conquer Club, um, you can go to my profile, uh, the link in my bio, is going to be a link tree. So if you click on that, you're going to see a few different links. Um, you can uh, apply to work with me one-on-one. Um, you know, obviously always kind of taking in more applications. Sometimes there might be a little bit of a waiting period, but it just kind of depends on the week. And then, um, yeah, I have, you know, a couple, uh, eBooks or guidebooks, whatever you want to call it. Um, if you're not interested in one-on-one coaching, obviously those are a lot more affordable, you know, less of an investment. Um, and then, you know, at the very least, you know, I have a free, a completely free email course on fat loss and fat loss mistakes. And so, um, 
Yeah, it, I mean, at the very least, sign up for that. Like, that's you're going to get a lot of free value from that. Um, get some clarity on, you know, uh, mistakes you've been making if you're trying to lose fat and kind of a better way forward with that. So, thanks so much for taking the time out of your day to join our podcast. Appreciate it a lot, Marcus. Yeah, this was, this was awesome, guys. I appreciate you having me on. We, uh, yeah, obviously, we've been joking around on Twitter and like connecting on Twitter for a long time. So, it's a lot of fun actually talking to you guys in person, quote unquote, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is really good. So, Hopefully, maybe sometime down the road, we'll have you on again and we'll get into some other topics. So yeah, yeah, man. Thanks a lot for coming on. All right. So thank you to everyone for listening to this episode of Ground Zero Fitness Podcast. You know where to check out Marcus. If you want to look up Samurai, um, you can find Sam at Sam K underscore strength. And you can find me at I am Kyle CEE on Twitter. Thank you so much once again for listening to this episode. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks again, Marcus. Thanks, guys.